You're listening to the Fervent Church Podcast, a church in the Austin area who exists so that people may know Jesus. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged, challenged, and strengthened in your relationship with Jesus today. For more teachings, information, or to support our ministry, please visit fervent.church. We pray you're blessed by the message. This is our second study in our study or our series called Perspective. Say it with me, type it in the chat, Perspective. Um, and maybe to take it a little bit further, um, what we were, and to build off of what we were talking about last week is that, for one, perspective matters. Um, that was one of my points last week is just perspective matters. If we don't have the right perspective on something, we're not going to have the right understanding of something. And the, 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 the phrase or saying that I'm trying to build this study around is that proper perspective leads to proper perception. Proper perspective leads to proper perception. And what I mean by that is a proper view of something will lead to a proper understanding of something. And let me just explain this for a second. Last week, I feel like, uh, I don't know, I, I wanted to do the little shape thing with a, a cylinder. It's actually right here on my desk. So we've got a little cylinder, right? Um, and it really depends on how you look at it. Um, if you look at it from a shadow perspective, right? All of you guys who went to art class and you did the perspectives and you had a shadow and you drew what the shadow uh, of the object was, um, maybe you guys understand this with me, right? It's like it, it would show one thing, but that wasn't the full depth of what that object was. And so we could have a cylinder, right? Uh, and we cast some light on it from one angle, from one point of view, we'll say. And then what it might cast on the wall, depending on how the object is arranged, it'll cast a circle on a wall. But the question I have is like, but is the object in my hand actually a circle? No, I mean, that's partly true that yes, it's partly a circle, but without a proper perspective or a full perspective of that object, we're not gonna have a full understanding. We're just gonna be partially understanding. We're gonna be lacking. You agree with me? And then at the same time, if we turn that cylinder in a different way, it'll actually cast a square onto the wall, right? And so then if we saw the square and that's all we saw about it and you're like, oh, well, whatever you're holding in your hand is a square or a cube of some sort, right? You might have that perspective because that's from your viewpoint, but is that necessarily true? No, that's not what the object is. So perspective matters. Our view of things matter. To to bring this into just a modern day example, the coronavirus, COVID-19, we're all living through this right now and it's crazy times, right? And honestly, it's crazy times, but also encouraging times, depending on your perspective. See, when we first moved out here, my wife and I and our kids, we moved out here March 11th. It was a uh, Wednesday, I believe. It was Wednesday, March 11th. Many of you know, if you watch the news and all that, that was the day that the World Health Organization declared coronavirus or COVID-19 as a global pandemic. Uh, meaning just a worldwide problem, a worldwide crisis going on. And so they declared it a worldwide crisis. The next uh, two days later, actually, so March 11th, we moved, right? Everything's going crazy. I wasn't really worried or upset about it. I'm like, well, whatever, God, God's got us, right? And um, so I had an interview on uh, Friday, which was March 13th, um, not really, it was an interview, but it was like the final stage, like, hey, come in, we'll talk about all the stuff, and then you can and then we'll get you set up for the job. So I went in, everything was good. They're like, all right, we'll come in on Monday. We'll get you going and you'll start. 
And so Friday had a job, Monday comes, uh, they send me an email and they said, hey, we can't hire you. We can't hire you because of this whole COVID thing. So we're put on a hiring freeze. We don't know if we're gonna have enough business to support our current staff, yet alone more staff, that meaning uh, me. So I come home that night in the next couple of days and I was pretty discouraged if I'm honest. And because I was looking at my situation and my circumstances and I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, this sucks. <laughs> like we just, we moved out here for one into a state uh, different state, different city that we've never really lived in before. My wife is from Austin, Texas or originally. Um, so shout out to everybody who's from Austin, right? Go Longhorns, hook them, whatever. Um, uh, but I never been here. Um, well, I've been here, but I never lived here. So it was all very foreign, right? So I'm coming into this and I had a very dark, gloomy perspective. My perspective was saying, this is a bad situation. Things are getting worse. Jobs are getting scarce. What are we going to do? Why are we here, right? So all of a sudden my perspective is developing my perception of the whole situation, right? My view of what was happening is, de is developing my understanding of what's going on, of why we're here, right? And so that's why perspective matters. So then after that though, let me just, um, we'll get to the Bible study, but I really just wanna hit this point and try to get you get this across to you that your perspective on things matter. So you fast forward a, a couple weeks, I, I had put in over 40 applications at different jobs, and then I finally got one um, at FedEx Ground as a package handler. Now let me just tell you that Package handling is a hard job, right? You might think, oh, it's not too bad. That's nice. You work at FedEx. It's a good company. And I will say FedEx is a great company um, overall. Use them, whatever. Like It's all the same, right? I think FedEx is actually a little bit faster than the other ones, in my opinion. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm biased. That's my perspective of things. But this is what I'll say is that it was a hard job, but then I saw it as an opportunity that God gave me. I've been applying for jobs and all of a sudden I got this opportunity and I'm like, okay, so my perspective is all, I'm focusing on God now. And so, so when I was all down and depressed, like, what are we doing? How am I going to find work? How are we going to make it through and all this stuff? All of a sudden God try, started to change my perspective and it's like, look, look at the bigger picture is what he's saying. I was so focused on my small little itty bitty circumstances that man, this is hard, what's gonna happen? God opened up my eyes a bit, broadened my perspective, and then I saw that man, this isn't a bad thing right now um, as so much as we think it is, right? We think, oh, the coronavirus is terrible, um, taking over the world, what are we gonna do? The economy's going down. But what God allowed me to see is like, this is, this is Jesus saying to us, like, look, the harvest is plentiful. Look at the harvest. It's plentiful. They're, they're out there. It's ready to be harvested. So people are hungry. They're hurting. They need hope. And so all of a sudden I'm like, why am I hopeless? I have hope. I have the one and only hope in Jesus Christ. And that's not just a hope like, oh, I hope that Jesus is real and God is real. No, it's a hope that like I know him. I know he's real. He's worked in my life. I've seen it and I've seen it and I've seen it again. And he comes through and he came through for me with the FedEx job as a package handler, right? And I'm like, okay, God, I see you. You're in this. And so me and my wife, we started this uh, Bible study early. We wanted to launch in September. We're like, hey, we have this opportunity now. And look, we got 20 people watching live. What's up, everybody? If you guys are joining us, just say, hey, hey in the chat. Um, we're glad that you're here. Take a second to share it. I'm just talking about perspective though. And so my perspective broadened 
Um, it's like, man, my situation isn't bad. This is actually the perfect situation for God to bring glory to himself. And so that's what he's been doing throughout all of this. Is he's just been, he's been working and moving. Some of my friends are like, man, it's just so awesome to see God moving in your life at such a rapid rate. It's like we came out here, didn't have a job, but we bought a house, which was crazy. But that was a God story right there that we got a house. Um, so we got a mortgage that's due. We got all the bills, right, that come along with that. And then he provided a job. And then fast forward probably four weeks after that, I was a package handler. I got this opportunity. Um, I'm just working one day, working hard, trying to just be grateful for what I have. And then this driver there, he's like, hey, man, you should, uh, you should try to be a driver. Like, there's my boss right there. Go talk to her. That's what he said. And then I said, well, that's cool, man, but I can't just leave my post right now. I'm working. These packages coming down, I got to take them off the belt and put them into your truck. He's like, well, oh, man, no, whatever. Um, and he's like, hey, I'll go tell her about you. He's like, I'm going to go refer you to her right now. And so that's what he did. And so um, starting last week, I started training as a driver for FedEx. And so the last two days, yesterday and today, um, I've been on a route solo by myself. But all that to say is just, man, our perspective needs to be broadened of God where we're like, man, how are we going to make it? It's like, What do you mean, how are we going to make it? We serve a God who parted the Red Sea. We served a God who killed all the Egyptians in the Red Sea that were coming after the Israelites, right? We serve a God who who raised Lazarus from the dead, but not only raised Lazarus from the dead, he came back from the dead, right, after three days. And so perspective matters. And to build on that biblically, right, perspective matters. Like what if our perspective of Jesus was just, oh, he's just a man who died on a cross, If that's your perspective, and many people are like that, maybe you're like that today, joining us tonight, um, is that your perspective of Jesus is, you're like, well, I don't know if he's God. And since I don't know that that he's God, I don't know that him dying on the cross really means that I'm forgiven or set free or have salvation, right? And so all of a sudden, you can just track with me, is is if that's your perspective, what do you think your perception or your understanding of God is going to look like, right? So perspective leads to your perception. Your view of something will lead to your understanding of something. And we need to understand it fully. And the great thing about God is he's not hiding anything. A lot of people will take little bits and pieces. And so I I see it all the time. And maybe if if you guys have seen this before in your life with a person who doesn't believe, they they love to quote scripture, don't they? You come and talk to them about Jesus, but then they'll come back at you and be like, well, what about this? Right? What about this instance here in the Bible? And they'll quote different scripture. One that I hear all the time is people are like, oh, don't judge me. Right? Doesn't it say in your book somewhere not to judge? And it does say that. It says not to judge because leave it to God. But then Paul writes, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, maybe it's 2 Corinthians. He says, who are we to judge those outside the church? He's like, we're to judge each other, hold each other accountable. So there's that aspect. So if you just have that one, pers- that one view of, of the Bible where you're like, well, you're not supposed to judge me. But then you also have the view that, oh, God's wrathful and, and angry and all that stuff. It's like then your perception and understanding of God is that he's an angry, wrathful God. Is there anger and wrath in God? Sure. I mean, he's the only one who has the right to be angry or wrathful. But that's not all of who God is. So again, what I want to just say, and 
hopefully you're tracking with me. Text in the in the thing, type in the chat, say, hey, I'm tracking with you, I got you. Give me a thumbs up emoji um, just to make sure I wasn't just rambling about nothing for no reason. Perspective matters. Proper perspective leads to proper perception and man, do we need it ever. Especially in times like this when we're just looking at things and looking at the world, is things gonna go back to normal? What's gonna happen? Um, I, for one, I get excited, honestly, when I look at the state of the world because I know what the Bible says in Revelation, right? I know what the Bible says in Matthew 24 where Jesus talks about all the things and the times um, of the age. So I get excited when I'm like, man, they might do away with cash, right? The United States dollar and coins and that and go to a digital dollar, right? Did that not ring any bells to anybody when they they started to talk about that? It's like all of a sudden my perspective, because I got this perspective of the Bible that's a little bit bigger than just... um, just the gospel, right? I got the the book of Revelation too, where it's like, hey, this is what's going to happen. And so I start seeing this like, hey, this could be the end times. And I know that's a sad thing and a heavy thing to say, but if that's, this is the end times, that means we're almost there. And when you're almost there, guys, tell me, like, if you guys are in a race, you're in a marathon and you just ran uh, however many miles it is and you're at the last mile, it's like, come on, guys, whatever you got left, put it in there. We're almost there. Let's go. Let's get all in on this thing. And so that's how I feel right now, um, just just getting into this um study this church plant, right? I think some people are like, man, what a time to start a church. And yeah, it is crazy, but honestly, it's the, it's the most exciting because it's like we have only up to go. We, we got so much potential to, to tell people about Jesus. And so um, I just think these days, man, let's make the most of every opportunity we have. Last week, what we did is we really went over the first verse or two of Philippians. So if you guys have your Bibles with you, Philippians chapter one is where we're going to be tonight. Um, And we're going to go through the first 11 verses. So really not too much uh, of it tonight, but I really hope to encourage you guys and give you something to take into not not only just tonight and say, oh, that was good, but something that you would take into your week and honestly something that you would take into just your life and you try to apply it to your life um, every day, every week, um, and hopefully see some fruit fruit from it. All right, so uh, let's pray. Let's get into the Bible studying to God's Word. So God, we just thank you again for this opportunity to study your Word. We thank you for every person tuning in online, live. And we thank you for every person that will listen to this or watch it later, God. And we just pray that you would just speak to us now, God. You have our attention, Lord, and help us just to have ears to hear what you're saying to your church tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 starts out, says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, And last week we broke that down a little bit. It's like Paul. Paul was not always Paul. Paul was Saul. Saul was not a Christian. He was actually a persecutor persecutor of Christians. He didn't like Jesus. He was a Jew. He he went against everything that the Christians believed. He, He stood by when Stephen, a Christian, was executed, right? Stoned to death, right? And so Paul approved of his execution is what Acts chapter 8 verse 1 actually says. And so that was Saul. Um, that was him beforehand. It's like he was this guy. Um, let me see if I got it written down here. Saul, some of the things that he um, that Paul writes in some of his letters is just some of his where he's been from, like where he came from. 
um, some of his past, his testimony. He says that he was educated, right? He was at, educated at the feet of Gamaliel. He was one of the greatest of greats. It's like he'd be the best person to educate you if you were looking to get a uh, some type of education like that, right? In Acts 22, it says that. Saul saw himself as prestigious, he says at one point. He says, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Like He's like, I wasn't just a Hebrew. Like I was the Hebrew of Hebrews. I was like among the best um, of them. He's like, I, as it... He says, as to the law, he was flawless. Like he kept everything to a T. He was so careful. He said that he was very zealous. Um, Isn't that just so like some people today? They're just so zealous. But doesn't the Bible say like zeal without knowledge or or without wisdom, right? It's like it's lacking. It it doesn't really have the substance. Like, hey, you're excited about something and you want to go do something, but you don't have the right perspective, the right perspective and you don't have the right understanding the right perception of it well Saul was um he was just a bad guy beforehand right in Acts chapter 9 he went underwent a spiritual LASIK surgery right and so as he saw things beforehand right he saw things as Saul like Jesus isn't God he isn't the Messiah all of a sudden God intervened in his life struck him down blinded him spoke to him and goes through all this crazy stuff right we talked about it last week and um And then he realizes that, Jesus, you are the one true and living God. His perspective went from like, I thought this was it and this was what life was about to like, man, I was so wrong and so off. Like if I had that cylinder where it's like, man, I thought that if you looked at the shadow of the square on the wall, I thought that was a square you're holding in your hand. But this whole time, it was something much bigger and different than I ever imagined. And so uh, Saul was like that. But then what we see is the radical transformation. It's like, so how can Paul write in Philippians chapter 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus? Well, it starts with a perspective of knowing who Jesus is. And that's what uh, Jesus did in Saul's life. He intervened. He revealed himself to him. And so as uh, all of a sudden Saul realizes everything that I've been living for is a lie. Everything that I've been doing is essentially meaningless. And so the only way he could have this view of like all of a sudden like this to become a servant of the one who he was trying to persecute, the, the one he was trying to bring an end to, if you, if you will, the only way he could call himself a servant is because he had a, a perspective change. See, his perspective was off before, which led to that, again, that false understanding or a lack of understanding. But then Jesus intervened in his life and all of a sudden he saw things clearly and he started to understand properly that Jesus is God, that he is the Messiah that we've been waiting for. He is the fulfillment of scripture. So he says, Paul and Timothy, and we didn't get into it last week, but Timothy is with him. And they're in prison. Some would say he's in Rome when he wrote this. Some people say and argue, no, it's um, in Ephesus that he wrote this in different situations and, and whatever. And I'm not here to tell you where he wrote it from because nobody knows definitively where he wrote it from. But we do know he wrote it from prison as the text reads. Um, so Paul and Timothy are together and Timothy was a son in the faith. We see Paul writes to Timothy in first and second Timothy, their letters to him. And then he says, uh, Timothy to Timothy, my son in the faith. And so he's, Paul's this older dude. Basically he's discipling this younger guy. And I love the picture there. It's like wherever we're going, whatever we're going through, whatever we're doing in life, like bring somebody with you. 
right? Like don't do life alone. Don't go out there and try to be a light in the world by yourself. Bring someone along with you. Bring a Timothy. It's like, hey, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but hey, you're welcome to come and see, learn and glean and, and create disciples, in the world. So we got Paul and Timothy there, again, servants of Christ Jesus. See, they know who Jesus is. And now that they know who Jesus is, that shows them who they should be. Does that, that make sense, right? As our perspective and everything gets clearer of who Jesus is, it only reveals the, the obvious that we are here to serve him. All of a sudden, Colossians, what is it, 3.16 or 1.16? 1.16 is what it is, I think. Help me if you know, where he says that all things um, were made by him and for him, Jesus. Right? See, as our perspective gets so clear on who Jesus is, the only um, obvious conclusion is that I was made by him and for him. I wasn't made to pursue my own things and make money and get comfort and different um, status quos and things like that. No, I was made to be in a relationship with Jesus. And to lead other people to a relationship in Jesus. So Paul and Timothy, they're servants of Christ Jesus. And then they write, if you're reading along or if you're just joining Philippians chapter 1, it says, To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. And so that, what that means is basically to all the church, all the believers, um, all the Christians there. He's writing to all of the Christians. And then he says, with the overseers, which would just be like pastors and leaders, and then also deacons or like the other ministers and the other ministry leaders. So really what Paul's doing here is like, this is a message to the church. I mean, how perfect is that? Like a message to the church. Like so many of us go around in life and like, oh man, I just wish God would speak to me. And I wish that, um, I wish God would give me a word. It's like, well, just open up his word. He, he wrote a whole book right here of words for you. And so even Paul's like, hey, this is to the saints. This is to the, the overseers, the pastors, and the leaders, and the ministry workers. This is for you. And so if you're a Christian here tonight, I just want to say that this message, this, this uh, text tonight is for you. And so he goes on and he says, verse 2, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to verse 3, and this is really where we're going to kind of sit tonight, is he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. I'm just going to read till the end of verse 11. He says, I, I, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. Verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment, see, we know that he's in prison, right? In my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's our text for tonight, but let's go back to verse 3. It says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. 
I thank my God. And I just love that Paul starts out this letter to the church at Philippi, to the Christian brothers and sisters that are out there. If you know the backstory, and we talked a little bit about it last week, and I believe it's in Acts chapter 16, it's like Paul started a church in Philippi. It started with Lydia, this lady who, who sold um, purple clothes or purple dye or whatever. And she, she uh, came to know Jesus, right? She became a believer and like that was the start of the church and like they're all there. And then Paul and I think it was Silas, right? They actually go to prison. Um, a bunch of crazy stuff happens behind that story. But anyways, they start a church there in Philippi. Now he's writing to this church from prison in somewhere else. So some stuff has gone down, right? Paul's out there preaching the gospel. He's super unashamed of it, which is awesome. Um, and now he is in prison. He's in prison. Let's just get that that mindset, that perspective, prison. Um, I don't want a show of hands, but I do want to ask the question. This is something to answer in your own head and mind, not to put on the chat for everyone to see, but how many of you have been in prison or how many of you have ever been in jail? Um, hopefully, um, none of you have ever been in prison or in jail. I will say from my personal um, testimony, I have been in jail. I've never been to prison but I've been to jail, spent a couple days there. And so what I will say is that prison is a pretty, or jail is a pretty negative place. It's not a place that you go and that you see a lot of people reading the Bible, singing praise, saying, hey, how you doing today, man? How can I pray for you? Or how can I help you? Or, or anything like that. Sorry for the, uh, the crying babies out there. We got kids ministry going on here. But, but jail is not a great place. To give you a little insight and perspective into it, so I did my time in Maricopa County. Maricopa County is actually um, known as one of the worst like jails out there, right? It's like they kind of mistreat their people, and I can attest to that. So they give us food, right? You're like, you think, oh, it's not that bad, Nick. You got shelter, you get food. Well, let me tell you, the shelter that we had, for one, it wasn't air conditioned, right? So I'm there in the middle of summer, no air conditioning or anything like that. So we're just in the hotness of this, this brick wall cell, right? At least that was the first day I was in there. And then you're like, oh, but they feed you. Well, let me tell you what they fed, fed us. They would give you like a little sack lunch. It was like a little cup of peanut butter, some crackers that you could use in that peanut butter. They give you a grapefruit, right? And you think, oh, I love grapefruits. But the thing about these grapefruits is that like you, you get it, you pull it out, you're like, oh, that's not too bad. And then you turn it over the other side and it's like all moldy, all nasty, right? It's like, like what is this? Like it's got to be illegal to feed us moldy, obviously expired, no good grapefruits, right? And then on top of that, they'd give you like a little juice box, like a kid's juice box, a Capri Sun. I don't know what it was, but it was like apple juice. Um, and then I remember just reading the date on it and it was like over a year expired. Um, maybe you could argue, oh, but there's preservatives in it, whatever. But um, over a year expired. So that, that's part of my perspective of just jail. Now I have friends who've gone to prison have one of my best friends in the world. He's serving a lot of time in prison right now, actually. And I go and visit him often. And it, let me just tell you again, the perspective of it is not a, a positive place. He's like, dude, he tells me all the time, Nick, like it sucks in here, man. I can't wait to get out. Um, all these things. And so just take that into consideration as we're reading this letter. A, a man who is in prison is writing this to us. And so if you've ever been written a letter from someone in prison or in jail, right? It's like, it's never like, oh, praise God. I thank God for you guys all the time. And I'm just so happy and excited about this. No, it's usually like, hey, this really sucks. Can you send me 50 bucks? 
Can you put 50 bucks on my books? Can you put 150 bucks on my books? Man, it's hard in here. You don't understand, man. It's like, you know what I mean? Um, if you know what I mean, you know what I mean. So Paul's writing, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. I thank God in all my remembrance of you. The first thing that I want to say tonight in, in view, in light of perspective and why it matters so much is like the First thing, we hit it last week, to have a proper perspective. we got to have a proper perspective and view of God. As we see who God is, then we learn who we are. But to, tonight, I want to take it a next step further. It's like, how do we gain a proper perspective in our life and with our circumstances? How can Paul be in this circumstance where he is imprisoned? And he gets into it, and we'll talk about it next week, where he talks about he's in chains, and he's got Roman soldiers and stuff like that with him. Um, but how can he be in this place? and have a positive perspective. Well, I would say that, and my point tonight is, it starts with thanksgiving. It starts with a thankful heart. It starts with a thankful heart. It's like, so how can you have a, a proper perspective? Well, you just be thankful, right? Um, how many of you guys just take time in your day just to give thanks? I think so often we're so negative towards things in life because we're not thankful. And I'm going to get to the, the next thing that goes with this. But we're, we're, we have this wrong perspective of things and we're so negative towards it all because we're not thankful for it. It's like, oh, like that's not what I wanted to eat for dinner, right? It's like, but if we would just have a thankful heart, it could change our perspective on things. And so Paul isn't all focused on the negatives and what he wishes would have happened or could have happened. He's just like, hey, this is where we're at. And I'm going to thank God for it. I'm going to thank God for it. So he says, I thank my God. And here's the key, I believe, or at least one of the keys to a thankful heart. Because some of us were like, well, I want a thankful heart. I want a thankful attitude. Um, but the problem with it is, I mean, it definitely starts with, um, with action. Like saying, hey, thank you, man. Thank, thanks for this. Thanks for that. Um, thanking God in your prayers, like, thank you, God, for another day. Thank you for my job. Thank you. Even if you lost your job, thank you for the extra time that I get to spend with my family that I didn't have before. Thank you for just slowing down life so that I can actually have some time to join the fervent church online on Facebook on a Saturday night, um, to read and study your word. You see, you see, and it can start with those types of things, but, but if we're honest, like just saying, thank you, just to say thank you seems almost a little bit meaningless, right? It, it doesn't, it, it lacks, um, lacks a depth, maybe that's what I'm trying to say. And so just to say it is like, it's a good thing to, to kind of get you going in the right direction. But this is how I believe, this is where thankfulness really stems from right here is remembrance. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. See, as he remembers them, like, hey, I, I remember you. I remember the, the church being planted with Lydia as she converted over to being a Christian and gave her life to the Lord, how excited she was. Hey, I remember going to jail with you, Silas. Man, that was crazy times. But we were there and we proclaimed God and we praised him. And then God opened up the jail cell, right? Remember? And then they saw the soldier gave his life to the Lord too. And then his whole family Gave his life to the Lord. It's like Paul's like, I, I remember those things. And as he remembers those things that have happened, as he, he brings back into perspective those things that have happened, he is thankful. 
See, remembrance isn't something that we're looking forward to. Remembering something means we're looking back. We're looking back. So just an example today, I was, I was struggling with this because I knew this was what I was going to preach on. I knew this was what I was going to preach about, but I was struggling with being thankful. So I started this job as a FedEx driver. I am super thankful for it. Let me just say that first off. Um, but I will tell you that this week has been extremely exhausting. It's been over eight hour days. We're out in the sun uh, or in a truck that's in, in the sun, right? It's like 90 degrees outside today, but you're in this metal truck driving around, no air conditioning, and that thing just gets super hot. And um, anyways, you're, you're, and you're moving packages and you're running out of the truck to deliver it to the door, running back to the truck because you try and get all your stuff done on time, right? But my perspective this morning, I... Uh, yesterday I hurt my foot um, delivering packages because I was just trying to rush and I missed a step on the apartment and I smacked my foot up against the the step. So I woke up this morning just to walk around the house hurt. Um, It hurt. Um, The rest of my body was just sore. I'm just not used to um, this level of fatigue, I guess you could say. I mean, it's like working out for eight hours, kind of like running out of the truck, into the truck, out of the truck. So my perspective this morning was not great. I will say that. I wasn't all thankful, but I took a moment and I paused and I just prayed with God and I was like, God, you got me this job. God, I prayed that you would bring us a job when we needed one, when we moved out here to start this church. And God, you gave me the job at FedEx as a package handler. And even though I had to wake up at 1.45 in the morning some days to be there at 2.30 a.m. and work till 9.30 a.m. some days, it's like I, I had that perspective where like I remember that I prayed for this God and I remember that I asked you to provide for us and then now you've given me this job. And so now as I remember what God has done and what he's doing and that he's the one who gave me this opportunity, all of a sudden I'm thankful. And so this morning I'm like, man, I'm remembering like, God, you're the one that got me into FedEx. You're the one who got me into being a driver a few weeks later. And so I know I'm sore. I know I'm tired. I know my foot hurts, right? It's like, but God, you are the one who got me here. And so I'm thankful. You see, when we look at things the right way with the right perspective, all of a sudden everything starts to make sense. All of a sudden the world doesn't seem so crazy and gloomy and hopeless, right? It's like when all of a sudden we see like, God, I see you working in this world. God, I'm reading your word and I'm remembering what you said in Matthew 24 and what the end times would look like. And now that I'm seeing it all, man, God, I'm so grateful and thankful that I have a relationship with you. I'm so thankful that I have this Bible that I can study and that I can know you in a deeper way. And so Paul, man, how can he be so thankful? And many people, and we'll, we'll get to it over the weeks, he's joy-filled, right? How can he be so joyful in, in a time when most people are just so hopeless and depressed? Well, it's because he's remembering what God has done. He's remembering God. And so I, I have to tell you, like, that's my main point tonight is, is remember God. Remember what he's done in your life. Some of you are like, man, life's not turning out how it should be. And and you're struggling with feeling thankful. You're struggling with joy. Um, Just go back. Go sit in your room or go outside tonight and look at the stars and just remember what God has done. Remember the good things, the little things. And I would be willing to bet that everybody who tunes in on this and everyone who listens to this in the future, you have running water, right? It's like I sometimes I'm like, I'm praying Right? You're in the shower or whatnot. It's like, God, thank you that I have running water. 
and not just running water. I have hot and cold water. Because for some of you guys, you've been on mission trips, right? I've been out to Mexico to build houses before um, with a church. And like there's people out there and they don't have any running water. And it blew my mind, right, as a, a young teenager. And I saw that and I was like, what? They don't have water, right? And so all of a sudden that just brought to light for me more perspective where I'm like, God, I'm so thankful that I do have water. And so remembering God and remembering what he's done. And so he remembers, Paul's remembering. He's not, he's remembering what God's done, but he's remembering them. He's like, I remember you and I'm thankful for you. I remember you and I'm thankful for you. And he says, he goes on, he says, always in every prayer of mine. He's re- so he says, I remember you in all my prayers. When I, as I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you. And how encouraging is that? As I remember you, as I'm thinking of you, I'm thanking God for you. He says, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So he's like, I thank God for you that I got brothers and sisters outside doing the work of the gospel. I thank God for you because God's doing a work in you and he's doing a work in us and that we got each other and, and that brings him joy. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And check out verse 6. And this is one that a lot of people know, probably even have on their wall or tattooed on them. It says, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What a great verse that is, first off, right? It's amazing, right? And I remember people kind of quoting that all over the place throughout my life. Um, it's like, oh, uh, um, he who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion. But with proper context and what he's saying is like, we look at this, it's like Paul's like, hey, I'm thanking God for you as I remember you because I remember that you gave your life to Jesus. You guys were so devoted, so on fire for God. And I saw God stirring up something in you um, that was just undeniable, right? It was exciting and it brought me joy and still brings me joy today. Even though I'm in prison, I know that you guys aren't in prison and that you're still doing church and you're still meeting together. And so what he says is like out of that, he's like, and I'm sure of this. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's like, he's like, because Anybody with that kind of fire in them for, for God, for the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit indwelling them, anybody with that kind of fire, with that kind of fervency, if you will, come on now, fervent church, give a little shout out. Anybody with that kind of fervor, right? Paul's like, I'm sure that God's going to bring it to completion. I'm sure. And so we've seen it before, right? I've seen it all over the places where there's someone, though, who, who's super on fire. I used to run the young adult ministry. For those of you who don't know, I ran the young adult ministry. And so we had people from 17 years old up into probably 28, 29 years old. And they all came in and I ran this ministry for about six years. And so you could understand that I saw many different people. Some people come in very broken with addiction problems. Some people with just their own um, self-image problems. Some people just—it's all messed up. Some people were super on fire for the Lord, and just it was amazing. But then there's a few instances where I would see guys—they'd come to know the Lord, they'd be so fired up, so pumped up that it would get me pumped up and it would like make me think like, am I even a Christian even, anymore? Like, man, 
And so I remember that. And so even right now, like as Paul says, like, I thank God in my remembrance of you. Like for me, I'm like, man, I remember them and I thank God for them. But the, the thing is, though, that I saw with them, they got so on fire for God. And I think at that time I'll be like, and I'm sure of this, that God who started this work will bring it to completion. But I, but I do believe that there is a, a, an aspect on our part. We, we have to join in. See, we can't just like say, hey, God, all right, sweet, I'm here. And now I'm just going to go ahead and put it into coast, into cruise control. And you just go, go ahead and take me the rest of the way. See, the problem with putting it into cruise control is like, if you've done that on a car, right, you put it into cruise control, like cruise control doesn't steer you. Cruise control doesn't turn right when it does. I mean, maybe that technology, it does, it's being um, developed, but, um, but you get the point, right? It's like, we can't just kick it into cruise control and expect to get into heaven. Like God saved us for good works, God saved us so that we would start to be a part of his solution to mankind, so that we could start to spread the gospel, so that we could start to make disciples, so that we could start to show the world what true love actually looks like and what it is and generosity, things of that nature. And so that's, uh, so God saves us so that we can join in. But what I've seen time after time is people get so fired up, they give their life to the Lord, is like there's, there's this unstoppable force right it's like the holy spirit's in them and i see it but then they fade away because they just kicked it into cruise control and they thought that everything would be good and that their lust would just go away magically they thought that their drinking problem would just go away magically they thought that their anger problem would just go away magically they thought that their self-image problem like oh i'll just start to know who i am and what i'm made to be would just go away naturally rather than bringing all this stuff to god and saying god help me with this and help me to actually progress help me to get stronger in the areas where i'm weak right paul says where i'm weak then he is strong it's like god's trying to teach us. He's trying to strengthen us. Can I get an amen? This is some good stuff here, right? Um, and so, but I've seen these guys, they just kick it into cruise control. And then they're really, they're more like the, the parable of the 10 talents or the five talents, whatever it is, right? Jesus says that I gave to one, one talent or I gave to another um, two or however many, right? And then I gave to the other one five. And so then the one with one talent, right, he's the one who's like, okay, I got something. And that's like the people who are like, okay, I got a relationship with Jesus. But then it says, but I, I realize that Jesus, that God is a, is, is a hard judge. I realize that you're going to try to reap where you didn't sow. And so what I did, because I was scared of you and afraid, I actually took that thing that you gave me and I buried it into the ground so that when you would come back, and and this is the thing I think people think, like, well, I'm cool with Jesus. When he comes back, I'll be like, hey, yeah, I got my Jesus card. I'm good. But it's like Jesus is in that parable. He says says to him, you wicked servant, you, you slothful servant, like you're just lazy. You didn't do anything with what I gave you. And he says that he's cast out to the place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Does that sound like a place where believers are? No, I don't think so. Right? And so then it's like the other, other guy with two talents, he went, he invested, he, he took some risk. He's like, hey, well, let's just try and make something of this life that Jesus has given me. And then he comes back with, with double. And then the guy with five comes back with 10. And so Jesus is like, that's what I want you to do. And so getting back to the text when he's like, and I'm sure of this, he's like, I think Paul's like, how, 
How else should I feel when I see a Christian who's so on fire in the midst of persecution, in the midst of a hopeless world, right? In the midst of crisis, in a pandemic, if you will, even if you want to bring it to today. It's like, how can I not be so sure when I see someone so fired up for the gospel who's just unashamed, willing to go through anything, willing to be thrown into prison here with me like Timothy, right? He's like, how could I not feel this way about you? How could I not be sure that God who started something in you is going to finish it? right? Because that's the thing. It's like God started it, right? Jesus says that no one comes to the Father unless the Father first draws him. And so as we come to God, that's God drawing us to him. And so he's the one who started it. He initiated the relationship. He went out on the limb and he said, hey, will you follow me? And so he he asked us to follow him. And so then as we follow, that's us following through with that relationship. I hope that makes sense. And so he's like, he who began a good work in you will complete it if you stay on track, if you if you stay on course, if you keep following me and if you keep um, doing the things that I've taught you. Right. Jesus says in Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations, teaching them the things that I taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And uh, he says, and behold, I'm with you till the end of the age. Right. And so he's like, he who began a good work in you will definitely bring it to completion if you continue to trust in him, if you continue to look to him, if you continue to follow him. And that's just what I want to say. Jesus says it in one of the gospels. I know some of you are thinking like right now, like, oh, no, Nick, you can't do that, right? But let me just try to broaden your perspective for a minute. Let me help give you some context in this. Paul isn't, so many of us, we take Philippians 1 verse 6 and we want to put it on a wall. We're like, God who started a good thing is going to bring it to completion, right? As if we don't have to do anything. It's like Jesus is like, hey, I gave you eternal abundant life so that you can do something with it. Like, don't we understand that? And so Jesus, and I think it's in Matthew, I don't know, it's in, in, on the Sermon in the Mount, I believe. So go check it out, Matthew chapter 5, 6, or 7. And he says to them, he says, um, he says to the disciples, he says, he who endures till the end will be saved. He who endures till the end will be saved. And so that just gives us this idea where it's like there's, and I know this is like a Calvinist point, but I, like all Calvinism and labels aside, it's like that's Jesus' word. He says, he who endures till the end. So there is this idea like the endurance of the saints. And it's not in, so I believe as we seek to endure and we seek to press on, as we seek to run that marathon, for me, like as I saw it today where I'm like, man, I don't want to do this today, but I changed my perspective and I started to remember what God had done in my life, which brought about Thanksgiving where I'm like, God, I'm so thankful for this. And so by the time I got to the station, I had a proper mindset and attitude to do my job right, right? And then it's like, uh, it's like uh, God, uh, I forgot, I'm just getting off track. <laughs> just had a brain fart, guys. But I'm, anybody want to tell me where I was at, where I was going with that? Who knows? Um, but he says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so I, I just believe as we endure, as we seek to press on, as we seek, like we don't understand everything. We don't get all of what's going on. But Jesus is like, if you keep going on, I'm going to bring it to completion. If you don't give up on me, I'm not going to give up on you. And that's something about Jesus that you need to know and a perspective that you need to have to have the proper understanding of Jesus. Like he has never given up on you. And if he hasn't given up on you and he actually gave everything to gain you, why would we give up on him? 
Why in the midst of a pandemic would we go, well, God, I lost my job. Well, God, I, I can't um, buy all the groceries that I wanted to buy and all these things. Like, why, why would we give up on God because of circumstances around us? God has never given up on us. Why would we give up on him? So we've got to continue to trust him even when we don't see it, right? We've got to continue to press on because he will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Verse 7, he says, It's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers of me, or all partakers with me of grace. All partaking of grace, God's grace. God's grace is available to everybody. Say, someone type that in the chat. God's grace is available to everybody. And maybe even make it personal. God's grace is available for me. That's what we need to know. It's so easy to tell other people, God's grace is av available for you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And if I'm honest with you, one thing that I don't like, and I'm sorry if any of you do this, but I, I hate when people are like, Jesus loves you. You know, they just yell it out as a, as a fact to somebody like on the street or to a homeless person um, or something like that. Or they, they post it on Facebook. Jesus loves you, you know, like trying to be encouraging and I get it. But I think like before we even get to that point, it's like we need to be like, Jesus loves me. We skip over that sometimes. It's like Jesus loves me. And if he loves me, it's like, man, he can certainly love you, Right. Like all of a sudden we have that perspective of how great God is. Um, so he says, you're all partakers with me of grace. God's grace is available for me and God's grace is available for you. The same grace that's available for Paul is available for you and me today. And he says, you're all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment. So he's like, you guys are still with me. You haven't left me, man. Any friends that are with you when you're in prison or in jail are friends for life. And if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about, right? He says, but both in my imprisonment, you're there for me. But he says, also, you're, you're there for me. You're partakers of me in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Like, you guys haven't given up just because I'm gone. Just because I'm, I'm put into prison and I can't be out on the streets preaching with you and I can't meet with you every Saturday or Sunday night, Saturday night or Sunday morning and I can't go to the temples with you and, and proclaim Jesus in the way that we used to. He's like, but you guys are still partakers with me. You guys are still with me. You're still, still in this with me. You haven't given up. And that's a mark of a true Christian with proper perspective that they don't give up when the people around them start to fade away. Oh, so-and-so got in trouble and they're in prison. Oh, so-and-so didn't come to church today and so-and-so didn't do this or that. And they're not here. Like the mark of a true Christian is that they, they keep going on no matter, the, no matter what the circumstances are because their perspective is on God. It's like if our perspective is on God, it doesn't matter what's happening around us. We know that God's working all things together for good. And when that's our perspective, it's like, it doesn't matter how bad it looks. I know and I believe God's word that he's working it for good. And so he says, you're both partakers of my imprisonment. You're with me. You're my friend, right? But you're also, and probably more importantly, you're, you're, you're partakers with me in the defense of the gospel. You guys are making a name for God and you're sharing his word, which we should always do. Verse 80 says, for God is my witness. And I love that he adds that in there. He's like, I, I swear. He's like, I, basically, I, I swear to God, guys. Like, 
I tell you no lies here. Like you go meet God in heaven, ask him if this is true. I'm telling you it's true for God is my witness. He's like how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I want to pause there for a second because I want to challenge us a bit to think about that. How God, uh, Paul in prison in the midst of hopeless, dark circumstances around him, because again, prison is not a good place or somewhere that you ever want to be. He has this thankful heart because he remembers God and remembers his, his uh, people that are with him um, in the gospel. But then he goes on this and he says, and I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's like, God is my witness, guys, that I'm here in prison. But man, I, I just so yearn to be with you guys. I so just, I, I love you guys so much. And let me just ask you guys, because I, I struggle with it, if I'm honest, is like having that affection for others that Christ Jesus has for me. Or having that affection that Christ Jesus has for others. And me trying to have that love is really what I'm trying to say. And I want us to pause here for a minute because I think so often our perspective gets so small and narrow on our own life and our own circumstances that we forget about all those people around us. And if we could take a second and we can just say, man, God, would you help me love people like you love people? Would you help me to have this heart of Paul that even in the midst of prison, even in the midst of dark, discouraging, depressing circumstances, God, I could still have this love and this affection for others like you do. Man, like that would change the world. Jesus said that the world will know that you're my disciples when, when the world sees what? Your what for one another. Type it in the chat if you guys are following along. Right? Jesus says that the world will know you're my disciples when they see the what? The, the love that you have for one another. Man, and if we could just start to display that and we could actually say, okay, God, it's not about me. It's about you and you're about people. And so help me to be about people. Help me to have love. I'm not very loving right now because I'm, I'm upset because something's going on because I lost my job. But help me to be an encouragement to people. Help me to be a light to people that even though I lost my job, I can still show people that I have hope in Jesus and that God is greater than this. You see what I'm saying? He says, man, I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And again, man, that's just a challenging statement. It's a challenging thing to say, do I yearn for others with the affection of Christ Jesus? And, and there are those times and people that I definitely do, right? It's like I remember things and I remember people and I'm just like, man, I just love, I love you. Like I'd do anything for you kind of thing, right? But if I'm honest, it's not often that I love everybody like that. I shared this on Facebook the other day and is a in a, a post about appreciation. And, and it was a post about appreciation, and I went on to tell tell a little bit about this story that God's weaving together through FedEx a bit and the the door that he gave me, uh, the opportunity he gave me to work there. And so we're driving out. I was training. So I was in the passenger seat and uh, my trainer named Geraldo, he's driving. And we're driving out and he's like, dude, quick, grab your camera, take a video of this. And like, I was just kind of like, I wasn't even paying attention at first. I'm like, what are you talking about? And so I look up, I get my camera, like, oh man, let me take a video of this. So well, anyways, we drive out to see this line. I don't know, probably 20 or so people of just holding up signs, holding up signs that said, FedEx rocks, 
said that heroes work here, said that FedEx strong, things like that, said thank you for your service. I felt like I was in the military for a minute, but it was, it was, but what it did after that, we're driving off and the guy I was training with, my friend, he, Geraldo, he's like, man, my heart is happy. And like he said, it was so much happiness. Like you ever heard someone happy like on the phone or they're smiling, like you could hear them smiling just, just through their voice. Like I could hear him smiling. I could hear his heart was happy through that. And so it was just, and I bring this up because I just want to, I just want to hit the idea, the, the point of how important, like showing affection, uh, Jesus affection, Jesus love, Jesus appreciation to people is. Because all of a sudden it changed his attitude like, like, man, my heart is happy. And it just gave us this fuel for that day. And man, we did over, uh, like we did, I mean, we did over 300 packages, which for those of you who aren't a driver and stuff, you don't have any perspective or understanding of what that actually means. But that is more than anybody does on a normal day. Um, but we did it. We did it in like a record time. It was just, it was a good day. And it's like, but it all stemmed from just that appreciation, that love, man. And maybe those people weren't Christians, but it just shows you that even just a little bit of love and appreciation will go such a long ways. And so if we could just start to show that affection of Jesus to one another, like it'll just catch fire. It's like all of a sudden, like, man, I was so discouraged today, but now I'm encouraged because you told me to remember what God has done in my life. And now I'm thankful for what he is doing. Man, but let's move on and let's get to the end of this. In verse 9, he says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Remember, he says, again, he says, uh, The world will know that you're my disciples when they see the love you have for one another. He's like, and so Paul's like, It's my prayer, guys, just like it's Jesus' prayer and his hope that you, you would love each other more and more. Don't just get to a level and like, yeah, I love him or I showed them love and affection yesterday and I appreciated them yesterday. It's like, no, continue to do that. Continue to do that until Jesus wraps things up. So he's like, it's my prayer, guys. And I love that he lets them know what his prayer is. I think people nowadays are so like spiritual and they're like, I was praying for you and but they won't tell you what they're praying about. I think sometimes it's just like, man, I was praying for you that, that your love would increase um, for one another. You know, I think nowadays if I got a text and someone's like, hey, man, I'm praying that you would love people more and more, I'd be a little offended. Like, wait a second. Are you trying to say that I don't love people? Right. But I love that Paul just comes into this whole thing and it's just like his guards down. He doesn't he's not trying to like rebuke anybody in this letter here. He's just like, man, it's my prayer. It's my loving prayer that you would love one another more and more. And he says with knowledge and all discernment, knowledge and all discernment. I think sometimes in life we we flip these things around, right? He says love with knowledge and discernment, but sometimes we try to have knowledge and discernment and then we try to add love later. Well, if we know what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the chapter about love, he says that I could do all things. I could have faith that moves mountains. He's like, I could deliver my body to be burned as a sacrifice and all, all these amazing things. I could have the gift of tongues and interpretations and I could just... I could do miraculous works is what he's saying. But at the end of it, he says, but if I don't have any love, without love, it's all worthless. With, without love, he says, I'm just a clanging cymbal. I'm just a noisy gong. I'm just making noise for no reason. 
And so he's like, man, I, I hope that your love would abound with knowledge and discernment, that you wouldn't just try to get knowledge and discernment and try to look smart, but that you'd actually have a fuel for it. Love is the fuel that gets us going. You can know the right things to do. You can know what God's word says, but if you don't have a love for God and a love for his word, you're not going to actually do it. That your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. And he says this, this is why, verse 10 says, so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Paul's hope, his prayer for them is that you, you guys would just love each other more and more and that you would show the world the affection of Christ Jesus and how much he loves uh, how much he loves you and how much he loves the world, right? And so he's like, but then he says, his, his prayer is that, but that's so you would be pure and blameless. I love it. I love it, man. That's, that's Paul's heart for his people, that you would be pure and blameless. It's such a great pastor's heart, and that's what our heart should be for one another. It's like, man, I don't want you just to be a Christian and believe in Jesus. That's great. Like, yes, I want you to be in heaven and have salvation, but I want you to be pure and blameless at the day of Jesus Christ. I want you to stand there unashamed and be like, hey, God, I held nothing back. I didn't bury my talent in the ground. God, I went out and I risked everything, right? I remember t teaching a message about about um, about the talents, and I was just like, man, that's what we're doing. Me and my wife, we're like, and I don't know how many talents we have, if you want to say that, but I'm like, we're risking it all. We're not going to bury it in the ground and just stay in Tucson and have Jesus tell us at the end of our life, like, why didn't you do anything with it? We're like, let's risk it. Even if nothing happens, even if nobody comes to Christ through this whole thing, we're, we can at least stand at the foot of Jesus on that day, and we can say, Jesus, we gave it all. We left family and friends. We left and sold our house there. We left a job that you were working and doing great things through ministry there, right? It's like we left these things for you because we wanted to see what you would do with it. We wanted to multiply five talents into 10 talents. We wanted to see you work, God. And so he's like, and, and so Paul, again, he's getting to this thing. He's like, I want to see you guys, to, to see you shine. I want to see you guys be pure and blameless. Don't just skate in and get into heaven just barely, but go in pure and blameless, that you may approve what is excellent. I believe it's Romans chapter 12. He says, um, Paul, again, he writes in Romans chapter 12, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2, and many of us know this, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And many of us know that, right? And that's another great verse, but many of us don't know what comes next. He says, Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. He says, So that testing you may approve what is excellent, or so that you, uh, says, By testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's what the ESV says there, ESV translation. It says, so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so Paul's prayer again here in Philippians chapter 1, he's like, man, I just want you to be pure and blameless so that you can approve what is excellent. Like as you know God more, you're going to know what's right. You're going to know what's wrong. You're going to know what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And you're going to have a love for people that's going to develop in you. And so... Uh, just a beautiful thing in the last verse he says 
verse 11, um, he says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Again, Paul's whole thing here is like, I don't want you just to be a Christian, just to barely get salvation. I want you to be pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Guys, a fruitful life, and you needed to hear me tonight. If you've heard nothing else here tonight, you need to know this. A, a life, a fruitful life, a fulfilling life only comes through Jesus. A fulfilling life only comes through Jesus. Can I get an amen if you believe it? But if you don't believe it tonight, I need to challenge you. Like You're going to different things. You're going to drinking. You're going to drugs. You're going to sex. You're going to um, lust. You're going through anger. You're going through prideful things. You're going to money. You're going to jobs. You're going to different people trying to find worth, trying to find value, trying to find fulfillment. And I got to say that it will let you down every single time, all the time. The world will fail you. But Jesus will never fail you. Jesus Will, will fulfill you. So if you want a fruitful life, turn to Jesus. Stop trying to turn to different things and thinking maybe this will work out for me. Maybe this relationship will work. The last one didn't work out so well, but maybe this person will fulfill my needs. Maybe this job will make me happy. Right When we're looking at all those things, those things will never work in the end. Only Jesus will bring fulfillment. Only Jesus will bring fruit. And it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, um, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I don't know, I probably missed one. If I did, type it in the chat so I can check it out. Um, but those fruits only come through Jesus. They only come through God. And so that's Paul's prayer. It's like, guys, I just want you to be pure and blameless. I want, you, I want to see Jesus complete what he started. And I want... I want God to get all the glory. And I love that about him too. How many people today, they want to lead people to Jesus and they want to bring glory to themselves. But Paul's like, I want you guys, I want to lead you to Jesus so that he can get all the glory. Again, when we remember back to who we were, we're like, God, I remember not being a Christian and doing things that would defame you. Things that were blasphemous almost to you, right? And definitely for Paul when he was his prior days. I remember doing those things, but when he sees that and remembers back, he's like, I remember who I was, and now I remember who I am, and I know who I am today. The only result, the only conclusion is to give God praise. So, so in short and in finishing up tonight, guys, I just want to encourage you guys and remind you, or maybe even challenge you to be thankful, but that remember thankfulness, a thankful perspective, a thankful heart, comes from remembering, remembering what God has done, remembering the good things that he's brought you, the, the opportunities that he's given you, remembering what he's done. I mean, if nothing else, if you're like, well, I don't have anything to be thankful for. Well, you have Jesus to be thankful for. He died for your sins on the cross. And so if nothing else, you remember back to the cross and you say, thank you, God, for taking my sins upon the cross and dying for me and being buried and resurrecting, proving that you are who you say you are, fulfilling scripture, and that you are making a place for me. And as I remember that, I become so thankful that you have a loving relationship with me. And I just want to be all in and I want to see what you would do, God. So be thankful and remember that thankfulness stems from remembrance. And I want to also challenge you guys to broaden your perspective and reach out to people this week. 
Don't make this week, don't make tonight all about you, but broaden your perspective. One way that you could do that is just showing appreciation, like those FedEx people showed me and all the people who worked at FedEx appreciation by just doing something simple, standing there with a little sign that said, hey, we appreciate you, thank you for your hard work. Maybe after this teaching is done, which will be a few minutes here, it, maybe you send someone a text and you just say, hey, I appreciate you. Thank you for being there all of my all my life when I'm in hard circumstances. Thank you for being there in the good times. Thank you for leading me to Jesus. Thank you for just whatever. Um, just thank somebody tonight or tomorrow, whatever day it is that you watch this or listen to this. But don't say, oh, I'll do that some other day. The only time that we have is right now. Why not make the most of every opportunity? Have that perspective that God has given you an opportunity now for right now. So take this opportunity and show some appreciation or as Paul says, affection for Jesus Christ and show that to them. Brighten their day. Let, let them know that you're thinking about them and, and see what God would do because this life isn't about you. It's about God and what he's doing with all of us. So let me close in prayer, and then I've got a few announcements at the end here, if you'll stick around just for another minute or so. God, we thank you for your word, and it is good, it is challenging, and we thank you that you don't just let us be baby Christians. You don't let us just get by being weak and just barely getting into heaven, God, but you challenge us, God. You call us to be pure. You call us to be blameless. You call us to pursue a relationship and a walk with you, God. And I just pray that, God, after tonight, after reading some of this, God, that we would be more encouraged to do that. And God, that we would take our relationship with you deeper, not just to have a personal relationship with you where we keep everything to ourselves, Lord, but that we'd start to show the affection that you've shown us to others around us. God, and that people would see the light, that they would be encouraged. As my friend was with the FedEx sign, he said, man, my heart is happy. God, could we just show your love and affection to the world and people in our realm of influence, in our atmosphere, if you will, God, our sphere of influence, God, may they just have a happy heart because we reached out to them and showed some appreciation and we thank them or whatever it is, God. Just use us, challenge us, help us not to just let this message just go in one ear and out the other, but help us to leave changed. May it not just be tonight that we try to show appreciation, but that we might try to cultivate a heart that would last forever until the day that you come back. God, so... We love you and we thank you for this time and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.